part two chapter fifteen of the cosmopolitan from two sides of a question by may sinclair this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part two outward bound chapter fifteen well is it all that you expected does the reality come up to the dream it does i never knew a dream that tallied so exactly with the reality frida was leaning back in a deck-chair looking at durant who sat beside her on the schooner's rail for three days the windward had sailed up and down the coast of cornwall for three days the little torch with all sails set wheeled round her moorings or followed her flight durant had accepted miss tancred's invitation to join them in a week's cruise in english waters he spent his mornings in his own yacht his afternoons and evenings on board the schooner the proposal had been a godsend to him in his state of indecision after his aimless wanderings he was exhilarated by this eager challenge and pursuit absurdly pitting the speed of his own small craft against the swiftness and strength of the larger vessel but he enjoyed still more sitting on the rail of the windward and talking to frida there was something infinitely soothing in the society of a woman who knew nothing and cared nothing about his fame he was not the only guest besides miss chatterton there was mr manby a little middle-aged gentleman who called himself an artist miss manby a little middle-aged woman who seemed to be his sister and two little girls with their hair down their backs his daughters eileen and ermintrude manby durant was a good deal alone with frida for a stiff breeze had kept the artist and his sister much below and georgie and the little girls hardly counted they were alone now frida had smiled as she spoke a smile of intelligence and reminiscence and he was irresistibly reminded of the first and last occasion when he had discoursed to her about realities and what are you going to do with it he asked with what with the reality or the dream with both with life now you've got it why should i do anything with it unless you're talking of moral obligations which would be very tiresome of you i'm not thinking of moral obligations what were you thinking of then i was thinking of you frida lay back a little further on her cushion as if she were withdrawing herself somewhat from his scrutiny she clasped her hands behind her head her face was uptilted to the sky his eyes followed her gaze over their heads the wind had piled up a great palace of white clouds under the rifted floors the blue sky ran shallow in a faint milky turquoise while above between beyond those aerial roofs and pinnacles and domes it deepened to lapis lazuli luminous transparent light behind colour and colour behind light the green earth looked greener under the low-lying shafts of blue and silver far off on the sea the shadows of the clouds lay like the stain of spilt red wine who was the great man she asked with apparent irrelevance who said that women were incapable of a disinterested passion for nature he knitted his brows frida had proved a little disconcerting at times he had had to begin all over again with her aware that though ostensibly renewing their old acquaintance he was actually making a new one to which faint recognitions and perishing reminiscences gave a bewildering elusive charm but frida remembered many things that he had forgotten 
and a certain directness and familiarity born of this superior memory of hers puzzled him and put him out this time however he had a dreamy recollection fancy your remembering that i remember everything at any rate i remember quite enough to say that you're just the same you haven't changed a little bit except that you don't look as you did the first night i met you and how did i look then she paused carefully selecting her phrase you looked as if i'd given you a shock you had expected something different that dream did not tally with the reality how on earth how on earth did i know you may not be aware of it but you have a very expressive face i was not aware of it poor durant his face was expressive enough now in all conscience she held out her hand and laid it on his sleeve and he remembered how she used to shrink from his touch my dear mr durant don't look like that it makes my heart bleed of course i saw it i saw everything i saw your face looking over the banisters as i was going downstairs when i've no doubt you thought you'd caught sight of a very pretty woman and i saw it with a very different expression on it when you shook hands and found that the woman wasn't a bit pretty after all of course it was a shock to you and of course i understood i knew so exactly how you felt and i was so sincerely sorry for you sorry i have a distinct recollection of being abominably rude to you that night and unpleasant afterwards can you will you forgive me what five years after the offence no i forgave you at the time i'm not going to do it all over again what does it matter it's all so long ago the funny part of it was that i wasn't a bit annoyed with you but i was furious with whom do you think i haven't a notion if it wasn't with me it was a she the other lady the woman i wasn't the woman you thought i was my ideal self needless to say my feminine jealousy was such that i could have throttled her i suppose i did pretty well do for her as it happened there can be nothing deader than a dead idea don't be too sure i have known them come to life again his gaze that had fallen and was resting on the hem of her blue serge gown now travelled up the long slender line of her limbs past the dim curves of her body to the wonder of her face how marvellously changed she was she was not only both younger and older than when he had left her five years ago she was another woman the heaviness had gone from her eyes and forehead the bitter determined self-restraint from her mouth and chin instead of self-restraint she had acquired that rarer virtue self-possession her lips had softened had blossomed into the sweet red flower that was part of nature's original design her face had grown plastic to her feeling and her thought she was ripened and freshened by sun and wind by salt water and salt air a certain nameless intangible grace that he had caught once twice long ago and seen no more was now her abiding charm the haggard sallow-faced provincial with her inscrutable manners and tumultuous heart had developed into the finished cosmopolitan she had about her the glory and bloom of the world for once his artist's instinct had failed him he had not discovered the promise of her physical beauty but that he should have ignored the finer possibilities of her soul if she had really known all that he had thought and felt about her then had understood and had yet forgiven him frida was unlike any other woman in the world he was not sure that this was not the secret of her charm the marvellous dexterity of her sympathy the swiftness with which she precipitated herself into his point of view 
it had its drawbacks it meant that she could see another man's and her own with equal clearness the sound of voices from a neighbouring cabin followed by the noise of unskilful footsteps stumbling up a companion ladder warned them that they were not alone mr manby appeared on deck with great noise and circumstance skating struggling clutching at impossible supports being much hampered by a camp-stool and a sketching-block which he carried and his own legs which seemed hardly equal to carrying him durant had recognized in the little artist a familiar type a small nervous man attired in the usual threadbare grey trousers the usual seedy velveteen coat and slouch hat with a great deal of grizzled hair tumbling in the usual disorder about his peaked and peevish face durant sprang forward and helped this pitiful figure to find its legs not with purely benevolent intentions he settled it and its belongings in a secure and remote position amidships glad to see you back again frida sang out mr manby screwed up his eyes put his head very much on one side and peered into the wild face of nature with a pale propitiatory smile yes yes i mustn't neglect my opportunities every minute of this weather is invaluable it strikes me said frida as durant established himself beside her again that it's you artists whose devotion to nature is well not altogether disinterested manby's affection seems to be pretty sincere it stands the test of seasickness oh mr manby doesn't really care very much for nature or for art either what does he try to paint pictures for then he tries to paint them for a living for himself and the little girls and frida looked tenderly at mr manby as she spoke at that moment durant hated mr manby with a deadly hatred he had gone so far as to find a malignant satisfaction in the thought that mr manby's pictures were bad when he remembered that frida had a weakness for bad pictures art did not appeal to frida she talked about paris and florence and rome without a word of the louvre or the uffizi gallery or the vatican she didn't care a rap about raphaela rubens but she hampered herself with manby's is there a mrs manby he asked gloomily no mrs manby died last year Humph. poor devil lucky for her though frida ignored the implication to go back to the point we were discussing if you were honest you'd own that you only care for nature because you can make pictures out of it now i on the contrary have no ulterior motives i don't want to make anything out of it i wasn't talking about nature i want to know what you are going to make of your life there you are again why should i make anything of it you talk as if life were so much raw material to be worked into something that it isn't to my mind it's beautiful enough as it is i should spoil it if i tried to make anything of it he looked at her and he understood he was a man of talent some said of genius but in her there was something greater than that it was the genius of temperament an infinite capacity for taking pleasures to her life was more than mere raw material it came finished to her hands because it had lived a long life in her soul her dream had tallied beside that rich creative impulse that divine imagination of hers his own appeared as something imitative and second-hand and his art essentially degraded he was nothing better than a copyist the plagiarist of nature he looked up to where mr manby sat smiling over his sketching block mr manby surrounded by his admiring family 
mr manby did not see them he was wrapped in his dream absorbed in his talent with all its innocent enormities he at any rate had no misgivings the little girls eileen and ermentrude played about him they played with blocks and life buoys and cables they jumped over coils of rope they spun round to leeward till the wind wound their faces in their long hair they ran forward shrieking with happy laughter as they were caught by the showers of spray flung by the yacht's bows frida's eyes followed them and durant's eyes followed frida's they are seeing the world too it seems yes they have caught the fever but they are young as you see they have taken it in time some day they'll be tired of wandering and they'll settle down in a house of their own over here in england and be dear little wives and mothers eileen and ermentrude by the way i never know which is eileen and which is ermentrude and you will you never be tired of wandering she looked at him with the lucid penetrating gaze he knew so well never i took the fever when i was not young and it goes harder with you then there's no hope for me i shall never be cured she rose and joined the manbys the little girls ran to meet her they clung to her skirts and danced round her she put her arm round ermentrude the younger and durant saw her winding her long fingers in and out of the golden hair and looking down into the child's face madonna-like with humid tender maternal eyes he thought of her as the mother of manby's children and he hated the little girls there was a voice at his elbow isn't she splendid miss chatterton had seated herself in frida's chair her present brought him instantaneous relief he had been glad to meet miss chatterton again not that he would have known her for time had not dealt very kindly with the young girl her face from overmuch play of expression showed a few little wrinkles already her complexion had suffered the fate of sanguine complexions it had not gone altogether but it was going fast the colour was beginning to run but time had not subdued her extravagant spirits or touched her imperishable mirth in spite of a lapse of five years she gave him a pleasant sense of continuity she took him up exactly where she had put him down on the platform of the little wayside station of withern in arden unlike frida miss chatterton had not developed when she began to talk she had the air of merely continuing their last important conversation didn't i tell you how she'd come out if she got her chance you did and wasn't i right you were but you oughtn't to have needed telling you ought to have seen it for yourself right again i ought to have seen it for myself he who will not when he may will live to fight another day isn't that how it goes on yes i congratulate you on your work it isn't my work lord bless you nor yours either there i was wrong what is it then miss chatterton stared out over the sea and into the universal air why it's it's everything of course you did something so did i but if it comes to that the present mrs tancred did more than either of us we couldn't have married the colonel then you think that was the reason why she i do indeed she could have had no other you see she was awfully fond of frida and what's more she was fond of you it was his turn to look out over the sea what do you think he has never forgiven her for going away though it happened to be the very thing he wanted how's that for inconsistency has she seen the the colonel since she has a strange unaccountable longing to see the colonel comes over her periodically like a madness and she rushes home from the ends of the earth 
that's happened three times it's the most erratic and incalculable thing about her but going home doesn't answer i should hardly have thought it would except that she's got the control of more money now tell you how it happened the last time she went home she found the poor little colonel making his little will he asked her point-blank what she meant to do with the property when he was in his little grave he must have had an inkling and frida who is honesty itself said she didn't know but she rather thought she would sell it and make for the unexplored then he was frightened and made her make a solemn vow never to do anything of the kind somehow the property seems to have recovered itself with all she put into it anyhow after that it managed to disgorge another thousand a year so frida's more independent than ever durant made an impatient movement that nearly sent him overboard to the bottom of the sea where indeed he wished that frida tancred's thousands were lying georgie noticed the movement and blushed for the first time in their acquaintance just look at those children said she they simply adore frida it's odd but she's got the most curious power of making people adore her i don't know what she does to them but waiters policemen porters custom-house officers they're all the same the people in the hotels we stayed in adored her so did the arabs up the nile and the sudanese in the desert so did the kaffirs on the veldt and the coolies that carried her up the himalayas and she's no light weight is frida georgie paused while her fancy followed frida in delightful retrospect durant said nothing he sat waiting for her to go on she went on women too i've seen them hanging about draughty corridors for hours on the off chance of seeing her there was a dreadful girl we knew in paris who used to grovel on her doormat and weep because she said frida wouldn't speak to her frida loathed her but she was awfully nice to her till one day when she tripped over her on the mat then she wasn't nice to her at all she hauled her up by the belt and told her to get up and go away and never make such a fool of herself again georgie cast at durant a look that said that's how our frida deals with obstructives and where was all this remarkable fascination five years ago it was there all right enough lying dormant you know i felt it mrs fazakerly felt it that's why she married the colonel you felt it i didn't excuse me you did that's why you stayed three weeks at coton manor when you needn't have stopped three days as for mr manby there he simply worships the ground she treads on as they say the devil he does what's he doing here as you see he's painting pictures as hard as ever he can go he paints them in order to live but as he has to live in order to paint frida well between you and me frida keeps him and eileen and ermintrude the whole family in short but that's a detail it isn't offered as any explanation of the charm i don't believe that anybody ever realizes that frida has money he could believe that he had never realized it himself her enjoyment of life was so finished an art that it kept its machinery well out of sight frida georgie serenely continued has a weakness for landscape painters the memory of her mother no doubt don't they don't they bore her no takes a great deal to bore frida naturally after the colonel besides she doesn't give them the chance nobody ever gets what you may call a hold on frida there's so much more of her than they can grasp and there are at least three sides of her by which she's unapproachable one of them's her liberty if you or i or the little manby man were to take liberties with her liberty frida would what would frida do she would drop us down very gently at the nearest port and make for the unexplored and yet i don't know 
that's the lovely and fascinating thing about frida that you never do know end of part two chapter fifteen recording by expatriate in bangor maine